Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. soft yeah that's me tone, yeah i'm not a i'm not, not a, a boomer not a boomer <laughs> not when i sing not when i talk i heard a couple of podcasts with you on in preparation of this chat i thought i'll get a bit of a sense of the man and uh what did i hear the marvel one that was oh. kind of cool i didn't even know they had a marvel podcast i know i didn't either and then and then the guy's just fully talking to you about your career i was like mm-hmm. where's the marvel like <laughs> i know it was really strange and the funny thing is i was really nervous about it because I'm not a comic book guy. I never read graphic novels, and and there were two guys that were with the you know crew on that tour that were sort of. I was allowed to bring one person, right? And there were two guys that were just avid fans of Marvel, like their whole lives, you know that kind of thing. And they they had to like Rochambeau. <laughs> they did. The I was going to say it was they something. Toss yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. You can both go. I don't want to go. They're going to ask me questions about comic books, and I'm going to go. Which one does Spider-Man? You know, I like I don't, I, you know, I kind of know the difference between Marvel and DC Comics, but that's about as far as it goes. I, I think DC have really fucked it, like in terms of going up against Marvel. Because did you see that Batman versus Superman film? I heard it was terrible. It was awful. Yeah, awful. A friend of mine who's like a you know like a buff of those films, he he even said he goes he likes everything 
you know, and he was like, yeah, it was rubbish. And the Suicide Squad was them as well. And I was... didn't see that, and I, but it looked so good, but then I heard it was bad too. Yeah. Yeah, they're blowing it. You're blowing it, DC. But they don't they have the, um, what are they called, the Hall of... Uh, the Justice League? The that's Justice them. League. Maybe that's their get-out-of-jail-free that, card, That's right? what they're working on now, is like they're doing the they're same building. thing as the Avengers and... I loved the first Avengers film. I thought it was fantastic. And it was done by yeah. the guy who does Buffy. And yeah. he very like he's a great writer, Josh Whedon. And I felt like he kind of, with that it was first awesome. one, he he married the action with the, the characterization really well. And it was all a balance. But with the second one, I felt like it kind of lost it a bit. So we've already talked more than I talked about these things with them. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was so relieved. <laughs> you know, because I was just waiting for that, and I had ha- prepared, you know, something that I was gonna. Sort Did of, you do I was, all right though? I, I mean, it was okay. Mm. It was, you know, the response was good. Podcast can be really great. Uh, You've done it, some stinkers all, in your time. Uh, or you, I mean, or it's all about me it. usually because most people who do podcasts, I think, have something interesting to say, you know, and they kind of have a reason that they do it, and so they tend to be more. Uh, conversational than than just a, you know Q&A a bad type. interview is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is a it's just a question answer interview where yeah. you know we did one the other day that was like a live film cool. thing with masked intruder and i love these, those guys we did it and these friends um these friends of mine actually do the site and so i won't name any names but the questions were really dull <laughs> to the point that you've got this huge group of funny people yeah. And everybody's answer was like, um, no. You know, and it was just... Because that's the only way you can answer those questions. Yeah, that it was given. that kind of thing. And I thought, wow. I wish we Missed could, opportunity. I wish I could rewrite their questions and we could do it over. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it, what I was going to say, though, is... Yeah, so when it's a conversation, it's always a better thing. And I think most podcasts are that way. You just discuss things. And so I love them, you know, because I like to talk. I like to talk about things. But if you're in a state like I am today... Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I often I'm find, though, I, I sometimes do better interviews. I mean, it's obviously different when you're on the yeah. other side. I sometimes do better interviews when I'm a bit hungover because you're oh, yeah. almost a bit more vulnerable. And mm-hmm. ex- do you know what I mean? Exposed. Yeah. Your guard's down. Yeah. There's a sleep deprivation thing. I've found that I write my best lyrics, all sorts of things, when, when the guards are down because you... You're not overthinking, right? Yeah, it's like these walls that are in the way all the time. Like, you know, there's, you're making a list in your head of things you have to do. And when you're alert, there's definitely things in the way. And sometimes I totally agree. Um, but like I said, it depends. So they can be, sometimes they're not great experiences because I don't feel like I'm articulating things well. And that sort of thing happens. Most of the time it's fine. We'll see how this one goes. We will. Um Tell me about your childhood, Joe Cape. I'd like to know where you were born, when, and some of your earliest memories of the family environment. Ooh, that's really tough for me because um, I have this exceptionally bad memory. And, me too, uh, I got one I, of them. Yeah, I mean, I have no childhood memories. I don't remember anything before the age of 18. 18? Yeah, it's really bad. Like, I've had, you know, neurologists, I've had a lot of tests done and all sorts of things, and I, so... Um, is I'm, that just your way of getting out of talking about your child? <laughs> I wish it were. Really? I really I mean, do, because do you... it's actually kind of hard, because I have a child now myself, and and um, sometimes uh, it's, it's, it's very strange. The stories that I have are always linked to a photograph or something. Some photograph that I have in a photo album or I've seen at my one of my parents' house, 
houses and what that triggers yeah so i'll say yeah you know i used to run around naked all the time when i was three in my in my backyard in camarillo where i grew up part of my life camarillo is a southern california town kind of central southern it's more southern than central but what year were you born north of la uh i was born in 1966 66 yeah i'm an old man baby boomer i'm a 50 year old now that's why my teeth are falling out (laughs) yeah joey joey said before we started chatting that um he was chewing some gum is that a nicorette gum as well it is yeah how how long have you been off the smokes six years wow and still the chew yeah it's terrible i'm um i just transferred stations you know yeah 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 my lungs are better people who vape you know they say oh i've quit smoking for three years like we haven't really quit because yeah because you're still inhaling nicotine and how many do you have a day uh usually Maybe one of these. This is what, like 10? Um, that usually gets me through the day. And, you know, longer days, like when I go out, sometimes two or three of these. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm if I'm out drinking at a pub or something with some mates or whatever, like this can be nothing. You know, I need a whole box or something, you know, because you're just going. But um, So your tooth fell out earlier anyway. Was yeah, it, you were it did. Just literally, boom, it there just, it is. It happens. I told, it was funny, I was telling my daughter and she said, Dad, that happens all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it does kind of happen often. It's just... <laughs> when think, you're a child yeah. and you're getting rid of your well, first I have, teeth. <laughs> I have, like, an astounding amount of dental work in my mouth. Like, almost all of my teeth are either have been fixed in some way or another. I have, they're all full. Capped or filled. Capped. Or, yeah. I've had dozens, you know, of root canals and things over the years. And so I've never had a filling in my life. Yeah, some people, my right, wife's never had a cavity. And, uh, and my just, teeth are pretty yellow. They're not the greatest of teeth, but... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's is it hereditary? Genetic. Down to it has diet? to be it a is. genetic thing, I think, because I, I always ate well. I was never a big sugar guy. So I don't know what I'd done wrong there. Maybe maybe booze doesn't help. I'm sure that's true. What do you drink? What's your? Do you have a kind of go-to beverage? I mean, I've been drinking whiskey. Jameson's, last, I hear. Yeah, that's been my drink. Last night. But I've recently... I know um, Ruben very well. You do? Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, shit. Well, yeah, yeah last night I made an exception because I've been kind of off the whiskey for a few months now. and He corrupted yeah. you. Yeah. He does that. No, it's it's like if I'm drunk and I'm looking and there's like three bottles of booze and, I, and I'm kind of weak. Why choose? I Yeah, I just go, <laughs> ah, whiskey, you've always been so good to me. Um, Till yeah, the next day. It's, whiskey's a funny thing. I mean, I think it was Willie Nelson who said uh, the only way he could get off whiskey because once you're on it, it's that road is the only road you're going to be on for the rest of your life. And he realized at some point in his life he had to stop drinking whiskey or else he was going to die really young. And that sort of happened to me about a year ago. I kind of realized, you know, when you get to the point where it's easy to drink a bottle of whiskey straight, then you got to start thinking about it, you know, because that's, you know. And uh, I actually ended up, uh, well, anyway, he said marijuana was the only solution. He had to start smoking He likes weed. to smoke, doesn't Because they? there are, there are similarities in the high. Like, it's a little bit of a um, skunky kind of high whiskey. It sort of... It depends on who you are. Some people want to fight when they drink whiskey. <laughs> yeah, the loopy But juice. I just want to kiss everyone when I drink whiskey, and I'm just kind of floating, you know, so it's... Tequila gives me that way. kind of buzz. Yeah, tequila makes tequila me a little... High. It makes me a little edgy, that one. Does it? Yeah. So that's... Who knows? Maybe genetics at play again. But I ended up... Uh, 
last year sometime I was in the UK touring with um, I guess it was Lagwagon but no effects and alkaline trio or something we had I was on uh, not, I was about to say I was on that tour of course I wasn't on that tour I went to see that show in Brixton yeah so that tour great. was great Cap was so, Down opened as well that yeah, old that's UK right. ska band yeah kick ass super fun tour and I was just drinking way too much and I uh, we were in Luxembourg and I and I just I got really sick and um, our tour manager who is uh, from Canterbury? Uh, it's a great guy, Ben Davis. He uh, he kept saying, "You need to go to the hospital," because he he could, he knows me really well, and he he said, "This is different. I can tell this is a different thing." And then finally, we were in Luxembourg, and he took me to the hospital, and the woman said, "Yeah, your liver. You you feed your liver too much." That was the way she said it. She, a great way. And she it. held her hands like she was holding a football, you know, like a, a big round. She said, yeah, you, you have to stop feeding it or you won't be able to feed anymore or whatever, some kind of funny way, yeah. broken English. And I said, okay, cool. So I just quit drinking right then and there. And then at, over time, I kind of started drinking things like Campari and soda, which is what I drink now. It has like... Do no, you really? Campari is one of the few I just can't get down with. It's so dry. It's so disgusting, but I love it. <laughs> I've grown So you don't to actually even enjoy the taste? So there's a kind no, of I a, do enjoy it. You do enjoy I it. I really love it, but I, it was a drink that I never would have... I mean, I had friends that drank that growing up, and, I, and uh, you know, I mean, I'm Italian, so that was like the kind of thing that they... Yeah, aperitif, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Man, yeah, and, and what's thing. great, here's what's great about it. Once you start, it, you know, it's an acquired taste. And so I think, like many other things, once you, you start to, to enjoy the palate. taste. Yeah, I really enjoy it now. Like, I love its bitterness and I love its sweet, bitter, weird kind of, you know, you have <laughs> to, I mix it with soda water. So, but uh, once you uh, get, you know, if you enjoy it, you can't really drink that much of it. You have like three drinks and you're good. And that's great. You know, because it doesn't have much alcohol in it, and it's yeah. So that's sort of where I am now. But last night, last night, last night was a whole different animal. Last night I took a holiday from my new plan. Yeah, and um, yeah. How funny that we should be talking today, then. But that's sometimes the way yeah, it goes. I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is great. As we yeah. were saying, you know, it's kind of when you're not on so much of a guarded fence and oh, you're yeah. kind of more open, then I think we can get some good chats. And that's um, true. I want to go back to this no memories before eighteen thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. sorry, I'm tangent boy. No, no, no. That's great as well. Um, memories for me are such an important part of development. I'm not yeah. saying anything, you know, new by right. stating sure. that. How do you, as a teenage kid, when you're going through puberty and those quite intense changes, how do you sort of develop at the same rate as everyone around you? If, I mean, at the time, are you forgetting as you're going? How does it work? Well, I guess you don't know because you can't remember. Well, it's a fascinating concept. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, I spent most of my life feeling a little bit like a visitor. You know, I wrote a song about it. It was called Drive By. And uh, it's, I guess it's sort of a dissociative behavior is what I think a shrink once told me. <laughs> it was all about, it. you know, I, I'm, I'm always a little disconnected from the reality and everything that's happening around me. And I'm not sure what that means because I only know what it's only, I'm, I can only think in relative terms to the way I live and of the course, way I yeah. think. Um, but it hasn't, it hasn't taken things like ability to feel or love. Out no, of, of course my life. not. So it's virtually, I feel that I live virtually the same life that most people do. I just don't, um, 
I don't always uh, remember things that may be more important to other people. Like my wife will say if she Anniversaries, were here. Anniversaries, memories, things. Yeah. yeah, well, those things. The weird part is I remember my first telephone number. I, numbers, like I should have been a physicist because... Rayman things going no, on, it's, yeah. It's very strange how I can remember numbers and, and, and dates and things like that. No problem. I, I'm maybe the only person in my family that remembers everyone's birthday every time it happens. And I don't know. It's strange. It's selective. But I, what I don't remember is how I met my wife. At all. I don't remember it. And she does. Because I met her a decade before we started dating once and then didn't see her for something like 10 years. Um, you, and can, it was, you can forgive that then, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, she, her and I sat at a table together. I was into her. And we spoke for about two hours at a bar, like just the two of us. You know, it was like... And uh, if I spoke to somebody for two hours that I was... Uh, attracted to and it was just a conversation i must have really been enjoying that conversation you know what i mean it's strange so now you know i've heard enough about it that i go oh, okay right that was the night we finished hoss or uh, some lag wagon album i believe it was hoss and we just finished mixing it and so the band and the producer we all went to this this pub in san francisco and it's called the lucky 13 it's now just closed but anyway and they just her and her friend, this sort of professional snowboarder, were there. So I know the whole story now, and I can see a little of it. But those kind of things are frustrating. You yeah, know? right. I'd like to. I, 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 I get a little scared that I might not remember some of my daughter's childhood at some point. And but you say that you don't remember much pre eighteen. Has your memory little. been better since you've you know become an adult? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, God no! Um, actually, it's I, 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 again. If anyone who knows me were here right now, they would just go "fuck no." And uh, it, you know, it's difficult for other people. Much more difficult for other people than it is for me. Um, I live very much in the day, in the moment, every day. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't look back often. When I do, I get very nostalgic, and I love it when it kind of comes back. Certain feelings about a time and place that i haven't thought about for a while i'll be like wow that was great or that wasn't so good but it was what it was i'm very much in the moment in the kind of now me too and so and not even by default i prefer live that way i think you know i often say especially in a climate like the current climate in my country it's a great way to be you know i i left home on this tour and i i and i said to uh everybody on the tour when I got I, I went to Spain first on my own and I said to a couple of Spanish friends of mine um, I said I don't want to talk about politics at all I don't want to even hear the word you know the word I don't want to hear that name you shall not be named yeah, he exactly he is now whatever that guy's name was Voldemort Voldemort yeah. yeah so and that was actually a joke at one point but and I I, I carry these uh, these iPod headphones and when people start, you know, if I'm at a dinner and I can't escape and politics start being discussed, I just <laughs> really? pull out you my just phone, pull them out. put them in. <laughs> yeah, it's really cracking these guys up because <laughs> one, so amazing. one guy I can't on the tour, he goes, oh, Cape is pulling his headphones out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> must be about them. I just can't, I can't listen. Um, um, so I'm, I'm sort of on this mental holiday from that anyway right now. And I, and then I've, you know, of course I call home every day and. And my wife says, oh, my God, did you see what he did today? Did you see this? And I go, ah, you know the rules. I'm 
I'm just, you got to just take a little bit of time away from those things in general, just to kind of keep your heart and keep your mind. I mean, yeah, I think it's very important to try to live in the moment. And, uh, I, that's, I've wholeheartedly tried to, you know, teach my daughter to live that way. You know, do the things you love. Yeah, man. How yeah. old? Have you just got the one one daughter? Yeah, she's going to be 13 the day I get home. Wow. Yeah, she's going to be a teenager. So What so, kind of a young, so what, what kind of young lady is she All these things are about to change. Into? Yeah, right? <laughs> maybe. Troublesome teens. Yeah, we'll see. She's pretty great, though. She's. I think she's going to maybe... She's been homeschooled for years, so we've managed to shelter her a bit from the, uh, the things that, you know... I can't imagine being young in today's world with social media and internet technology and smartphone technology just being such a huge part of yeah. kids lives from such yeah. a grossly young age they were born into it and they know <laughs> no other way than making connections that way and communicating that way and so they it's difficult philosophically to be a parent this time because they you, your children are they only know this world and it's i mean yeah i don't know it's very, it's very strange sometimes. Um, I just make jokes with them, you know, when I see them all sitting in a room, the, her, her and her friends, and they're making musicallys or YouTube videos or whatever. They're always doing something like that, and I like that. They, there's there's some, a lot of creativity there, some there, creativity, and, and that's like a positive that. thing. But I, you know, say, um, you know, what's your high score on that? <laughs> and you know, or, or you know, I, yeah, um, I like to, I like to make fun of the dad uh, jokes, the, the friends, yeah. The friends thing. I go, so how many friends do you have? I mean, <laughs> do you guys like, do you hang out? Do you go to movies or what do you guys, you know? And they hate it. Yeah, I tease them all the time because, you know, it's ridiculous. But, you know, it's sunny outside. I don't know. Get out there. But it's right? not, it's not, It you know, it's it's not their fault. It's no, what, no. It's, well, it's just, know. it's all they know, right? And you, yeah. And you don't want to be ostracized. You know, part of being... A healthy child is, for want of a better word, integrating into mm -hmm. social trends that are, you know, yeah, omnipresent around them. So they don't want to be ostracized and feel like yeah. the odd one out by not being on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. A really good analogy is Christmas, you know. I remember before we had my daughter, my wife and I talked about it. We're both atheists, so... You know, that's uh, that it, there's a lot of practical questions that you have. And as a parent that's not a parent yet, you know, you still haven't been hit by the reality truck. You know, you have all these ideals and uh, it's all fine and good and, and, and it comes from the heart. So it's good stuff. But one of the things that we talked about a lot was, are we going to celebrate Christmas? Um, you know, because it's clearly kind of a consumer holiday and there's a lot of things about it. And uh, I mean, we don't want to lie to her and say that there's a Santa Claus, but the big problem there is that you're immediately like you said ostracizing that person you're you're taking them out of the 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 mainstream like what happens and 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 then there's the other side of it and that's that uh it's also kind of fun for a child you know that's a fun thing to think about it's something to look forward to we ended up doing it um but i maintained all along that I was sort of an agnostic when it came to Santa and my daughter would go I smart move I don't get it dad yeah because I knew when that when the jig was up I was going to be like 
Hey, come out smelling of roses. Like, what's up now? <laughs> yeah. Your mom, not so great, right? Yeah. Who's the good parent here? Yeah. So I always maintain, like, I don't know. I, I, know, I just, I don't know. And, you know, of course, that was confusing because how do these gifts miraculously appear on that day? <laughs> yeah, but I think that that's the analogy. You know, it's that kind of thing. I mean, you, you have to let them integrate into the popular, you know, world. They have to be a part of those things. And the good thing is because my daughter is a gymnast and that consumes about, I don't know, I think she goes about 40 or 50 hours a week. I mean, that's why we homeschool. Maybe it's more like 60 now. It's really crazy, their schedule. And all her friends and her social stuff is with those kids. And those kids are, they're kind of different. Like, they're not going to do drugs. They just, they're, they don't have time for that. Like, they're all about athletics. They're thinking about their college applications already. Like it's those insane. Kind of kids, yeah. And all of them go to, like, the best universities. They get scholarships and at her level, you know, because they're it's a very serious thing. Um, and because of that, she, and she homeschools. So she's, we had her in public school for a few years. We went back and put her in a public school. And it was just instantly, we saw the damage. Really? Yeah, just the parents that I met. I just couldn't believe it. You know, they just, People who should not perhaps be parents. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, we just play, you know, um, I don't know those games, but, you know, whatever the vice one is the the where you steal cars and oh yeah grand theft grand auto. theft auto yeah sorry yeah no, you know no. like me and my son yeah we just sit around and play grand theft auto your son's seven right okay not the one where you can like rape a woman or something or what you know i don't know it's astounding you know um so i was very happy to get her away from all that stuff um so those little things like uh the santa thing was not so bad when she figured it out, I said to her, uh, it was something I read, and I like this very much, by the way, so I'll say it. I read somewhere, what you do is that the day they find out, you sit them down and you say, okay, so here's the deal. And not everybody knows this, but now you're Santa. Now you're Santa. So you've got to pick one of our neighbors, and you're going to get them a gift, a thoughtful gift, and we're going to put it on their porch, and you never get to get credit for it. You never, ever tell them they just get a gift. And that's what you do now. So now you're a Santa. There are many Santas. Me and Mom are Santa. You know. And that's it's beautiful. It, it's, I never it's kinda I've never heard of that yeah. before or even thought yeah. of that. Yeah. And I read that like a month before we were driving. I can't lie to my daughter. There's I, I, I don't lie well anyway. I mean, people who know me say, Yeah, you're the worst liar. When I try to lie, it's like I just I'm bad at it. Which is probably a good thing, I think. But uh my daughter point blank asked me as I was driving her down to the gym. She said, Dad, is Santa Claus, is he a person? Is he real? I mean, you have to, you can't lie. We all know you can't lie. And I was like, I plead the fifth. You have to talk to your mother. Like, I don't want to get in trouble. She sounds like a smart girl, your yeah, daughter, Joey. Yeah, she is. She's <laughs> too smart. Smarter than I am, that's for sure. With Christmas, I'm an atheist as well. But Christmas for me holds, let me just adjust this a second, it holds so much magic. And what you just mentioned there is, for me, the mm -hmm. classic example of the power and the beauty and the magic of Christmas in my ideal world, which is mm. that people give selflessly. Yeah, it's nice. And you can be charitable to your neighbor, and yeah. you can give and love and, and be yeah. united. And, you know, obviously, I'm not going to get into it because this isn't a political podcast, but... 
in times like what we're in right now, where there's so much divide, what scares me the most is that there's so much divide. Yeah. So I think it's nice to teach yeah. and reinforce. Yeah. My religion is compassion and kindness. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of a simple thing. I mean, it just... It really is so simple, isn't it? Which is why it's so heartbreaking. It's just about moral, you know, compass or whatever. It's, uh, it's all that I've ever seen in you know that that transcends all of it you know it's just it's just be kind to other people live your life that way and i don't really believe in karma or any of those sort of things like it's not a fate thing it's not coming back to me necessarily but i believe that when you live that way and you treat people strangers with common courtesies and try to keep those things alive i believe it makes you your life a happier life because it just feels good feels good to be nice to people and sometimes people forget that the thing that i think is terrifying is not so much the state of politics and the state of the world and the wars and all that that's all terrifying of course but what i find terrifying is um the kind of diminishing very important pieces to uh uh humanity humanity survival i think um Things like empathy and compassion and courtesy are sort of dying. And um, there's a long discussion there, you know what I mean? I mean, we can talk about narcissism, we can talk about, you know, that's that's. Do you think that's all social in, media inherent thing. in the rise of the internet? I, I, I think it's, media it's sped things up a bit. Hasn't it? I, I, I can't make an argument for the other side on that issue, you know? It's just kind of obvious to me. And so it's not something I like to talk about a lot because you're going to run into somebody who goes, well, that's bullshit, you know. People have always done this. Like, look at the, you know, crusades or whatever. They look at this, look at that. And it's kind of like, okay, fine. But, you know, there's more of us now. And, uh, yeah, it's had a huge impact. I mean, It's almost again, like no one has responsibility, isn't it? They don't feel that sense of responsibility because you can't just say anything. Accountability is the word. Is the word. Yes. That is the word. And that was what I was just about to say that. So, yeah, that's what I think. I I just find that far more disturbing than anything else. You know, it's just that that lack of accountability and and this this entitlement that people seem to be teaching themselves. You know, I deserve this and I don't have to give a shit about you. It's just the way people drive, you know, you just see it all the time. And it's, as I get older, it's, um, you know, I'm not, I can't fight as good as I used to, but I want to fight these people. <laughs> <laughs> You've got teeth falling out, but you're still going to put up a few. I punched yeah. a guy in, a, in, the, in the toilet, in the wash closet last night. Did you really? I did, What yeah. did you do to provoke that? Uh, he, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, that I just met, that I, I, we had been talking for a while and, uh, you know, we were both. You know, having a wee. As you, as you do. Say. Yeah. And, <laughs> Taking a slash. Uh, and we were just talking, you know, we were drunk or whatever. And this guy goes, when you girlfriends going to stop talking? And he said something like that. And I don't know, he just caught me at the wrong moment. <laughs> and I went, what? And then he just kind of got a little in my face. So I just punched him in the face. And end the discussion. And it felt great. <laughs> and I hate that. That's terrible, you know, but it's not like I ever get in fights. But it's, it's a thing that at where I live there's sort of this I live in a very urban spot in San Francisco and um, you don't, don't take know. shit oh man people are just I don't know they just 
bump into old ladies and don't say sorry and right. they don't try to help people walk you know them walk across the street and then no one holds the door i held a door for this old man when i was exiting some business not too long ago and i i held the door and he was maybe 15 feet behind me but i saw him coming and he was very old so i stayed and i held the door for him because of course i did and he cried and he took me aside and said no one does that. No, no young people don't do that anymore. And he just cried, and I was just like, "There it is," you know. That's I mean, the world going to shit right there. Really, really <laughs> kind of. Um, I don't know. Pretentious is the right word. It sounds, no, no, it, it doesn't sounds, sound pretentious at all. I think it sounds a bit. You know, when I tell that story, it sounds a bit bullshitty, but it's really happened. And I, yeah, I don't know. The pace of life is so fast now, and with self involvement and quick pace living and as you say this preoccupation with the me the me the now yeah you do lose as you say compassion generosity mm-hmm. yeah that's that's and that's you know the thing that those things empathy sympathy compassion uh boy, so important aren't they history, so important history and um what's the word um just some conventional belief and this just these things seem far more important to me than the current climate what's happening because uh you know almost all of that seems to be a symptom of the what's I mean, this seems to be at the core of like what causes these things to progress that way but i don't know what the answer is because i don't see well we're going to talk about social media i just know it we, I can just take this in a whole new direction if you want. I've got... No, no, it's completely you cool. cool. You, no, you do whatever. I don't want to bum you out before your show. No, man. You cool? You can't bum me out. I'm always bummed. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm always happy. Um, no, it is what it is. You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you have discussions like this, sometimes it seems you're talking about these things so much that, it, you know, I, I imagine that somebody who doesn't know me and maybe reads the interviews i do and these kind of discussions happen a lot you might look like a person that's just wildly depressed you know but this is just what we talk about you know this is not doesn't describe my life yeah i mean my life i get up and i take my dog for a walk and it's what dog have you the, got i've got a little uh german wire terrier chihuahua mix it's wow. this I'll, I'll, get a picture out yeah i got a i had a westie for uh i think he lived to 14 passed away a few years back it's my dream oh, man, when tough. i get my own place to get a french bulldog because oh i love him. scotty They're was great. such a lovely addition to our family and i'm kind of looking at oh my god that is so cute yeah. i don't know why i'm bringing it to the mic yeah like people listening yeah. can see you like that guys <laughs> yeah that's mochi yeah losing it we I, lost I need one. last night actually did you really yeah. oh no so i spent a bunch of time on the phone with my daughter today we're kind of animal people we always have a lot of animals right now we have well we currently have two cats a dog one guinea pig because we lost one last night and we had two mice but they passed away recently it's almost like the smaller the animal is when they pass away the less impact yeah no it's completely i remember when my goldfish died and i was that. like yeah it's fine yeah it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. like the thing's just only get two three more. centimeters long yeah. <laughs> exactly i think when you lose a dog or a cat that's it's crushing true. yeah crushing. a couple of years ago on my daughter's um i guess it was her eighth birthday we had a dog named sketchy and sketchy had a heart attack like her heart exploded because she had this condition where her heart was expanding and died 
in the middle of her birthday party in front of like 10 kids. And they all were screaming, Joey, Joey, what's happening? It was sketchy. And they were all laughing because they didn't understand. And I looked down the hall and she's doing this walk to tell she's having a stroke. Her tongue's out of her mouth. And of course, cleared all the kids out. And then she just, she just went. And that, that was a bit much. Yeah. You know, her birthday. We yeah. had to call the parents and say, can you come get your children? Um, you, you did know. you have to get all the kids out before you could tell your daughter that the dog had passed because you didn't want to? No, they all knew. They all I mean, knew. They just were watching it, you know, and they were all, and then they just were <laughs> it's all. It's a mayhem in shooting, They were right? all crying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody was just around. Oh, it was kind of beautiful, but, you know, that might be a little, uh, but that was like the first pet we lost, and that was the my first daughter's. As well. That was, that my was her first experience her of, of death. introduction to death, yeah. That was a big deal. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. How do you, when you're away, like right now, I mean, the guinea pig obviously isn't as big a deal as sketchy. Sure. How do you, as um, as a parent... <laughs> that sounded so funny. You know... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just, I'll use that I'm, bit as the trailer. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so good. How do you deal with not being there for sort of like a difficult landmark? You know, they can be good or bad. Like, say, oh, if you're away very, for a birthday. Or, stuff. I guess that's the one time where technology is good, right? Because you can FaceTime yeah, and video. Yes, and I do love that. That distance is removed. Hey, but... one thing for sure, don't get me wrong. I'm super techie. I love tech. I've always loved it. Every time something new comes out, I'm fascinated. You know, I want... Latest virtual... iPhone right there, ladies and gents. Well... Is it not? No, it's, no? it's, it's still it's 6. It's got a big screen. It's a 6, but... Right. I haven't upgraded to the 7 yet because it's sort of with phones it's a little different for me I'm kind of like whatever how much better is it going to be I yeah, mean this yeah. thing already does everything I could ever want to do Yeah, I can almost have sex with this thing you know <laughs> what I mean <laughs> for those long lonely nights on the road yeah yeah but I mean it, the answer to the question is it is tough it's really tough you miss a lot of things when you tour um, but I've just come off a, a five and a half month break which is the longest break that I took from touring in 25 years um, so I was just home uh, half a year, and um, and when you're home, you're kind of there, present. Yeah, kind of I mean, around. I, the clock, I work right? in my house. I have a studio in my basement. I produced maybe eight records during that time, but um, so I was going to work most days downstairs. But I was still home. You know, I could drive my daughter to the things she needs to be driv driven to, and I and I was able to you know eat with them. I had dinner with them every night, and so it was it was great. Um, I've spoken to a few musicians about parenthood and I think the deal that musicians have is actually better than your average nine to five because yeah, you are away yeah. for long periods of time and that must be really tough. But when you're there, you're fully in and you can yeah. just hang out. You yeah. can take them to school. You can pick them up. You can meet them on their lunch break if you wanted to. You're just there. And I think exactly. that's such a unique position to be in because if you're not a musician, you're unemployed and then you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm here because I haven't got work on. I'm you know, here too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is. It sounds great. like a cool it position is great to be because in. you know the whole heart grows fonder still. You know, and being away, you know, it certainly makes the connections that I have with my family are, I think, in some ways deeper. You know, because we 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 don't count on seeing each other all the time. We can't and. It is just so pleasant to not have a schedule unless I make it, you know. Um, yeah. So my schedule when I'm at home, the priority is just I'm not working whenever my daughter's not working. You know, if she's home, then I'm with them. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is that you end up watching TV a lot. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, some days she she doesn't have to be to the gym until three one day a week. And... That's the day that if it's nice outside, I'm always like, let's go hiking. 
And they look at me like, no, we're going to watch a movie. I want to do nothing, yeah. They want to watch a movie. And I'm like, well, that's great. So we'll just sit in the same room and not speak. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wanted to watch movies when I was a kid, too. You're a movie guy, right? I am. I love films. You were obviously, I think, at the right, exact right age. Because for my, my favorite decade of cinema is 70s. Mm. And when, I guess, the freaks took over and you had all these wild men running around, you know, like Hal Ashby and, you know, Peter Bogdanovich, all these renegades yeah. who were almost like rock stars, really. They yeah. lived like rock stars. The movies they made were kind of punk in their Bob attitude. Evans. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, like Harold and Moore. Did you see is that, one of my favorite that documentary? Uh, Bob Evans' documentary. It's called um, The Kid Stays in the Picture. No. I highly recommend yeah, yeah. that. It's fantastic. For that that era, you know, like the, the you know, and then it goes into the excess era, you know, like 80s and all yeah, that. Yeah, the blockbuster and the... Yeah, and all that stuff came around and, and his sort of... But it is it is really a film about the kind of passing of that, that nice. beautiful romantic, romantic era. Well, and, there's a great book on it too, Easy Ride, a Raging Bull. Oh, Peter wow. Biskind, and it's the huh. same deal. It starts with Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, get that um, for sure. There's three movies, 67. It's Bonnie and Clyde, The Graduate, and oh, man, another one. And in that year, it was like everything changed because yeah. throughout the 60s, there was this whole cultural musical revolution, but the cinema that was being made wasn't reflecting that. Mm -hmm. You know, the cinema was still stuck in the old way. But then with those films, I guess they had like a European sensibility, the sort of downbeat ending bit more sex and violence on show kind of like you outside the characters vietnam happened and then music changed i mean everybody got a little bit more um i don't know there was a lot more cynical right and sad there was a lot more sadness if you listen to like early you know 70s music like early 70s mid 70s there i mean there wouldn't even be a gaming game used the band i'm touring with right now if it weren't for that I mean, all those really sappy, kind of sad, cheesy songs. And then, you know, like movies like Love Story. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I love those movies. My mom I, loves I Love I love Story. to cry. Yeah. I like to watch a movie and cry. What's the dude in that called? Ryan? Oh, um, yeah. What was his name? He, he's on that. He was in Barry Lyndon, right? Yeah. And he's also... My favorite Kubrick movie, that is. I love that film. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he's God. got... Um, yeah, every film's great, but... Oh, Ryan O'Neill. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Great actor. He's on, I was just watching like a sitcom the other day and he, he's still on TV. Right. How's, How's he looking? Not great. He looks like he's had a lot of work. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? He, yeah. He's starting to look a little bit like a Picasso. It's such a, yeah. I mean, the only dude for me of that sort of era who's grown old into this kind of really handsome, just great looking guy for his age is Jeff Bridges. I mean, you see yeah. he's like 70 years old yeah. and you're like, wow, full head of hair still. That's funny you bring him up. He used to come into the studio I worked in. I lived in this town called Santa Barbara and I used to work a lot at this studio called Orange Whip Studios. I produced a bunch of records there and made some records there. And, and Jeff Bridges lives there. Right. And so that's the kind of town where you just see people. Like David Bowie lived there for a long time and I used to see him and Amon, I think was her name, the... the, the his wife, the supermodel. Did and you ever chat? Did you ever sort of like I had dialogue like two with words with him in a grocery store one time. Yeah. Nice plums. <laughs> yeah. It well, it was like they, you know, a lot of people dress down. And I'm getting off topic here, but Bowie, this is funny. Like me and my friend are sitting there playing backgammon. And here comes Bowie and Amon. I, I want to say here. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does yeah, that yeah. sound right? Yeah. We, we can always edit this. I'm, I'm sure it is. Me. I'm sure. Yeah. It is. Okay. Yeah. So. 
he's in a gold sequin suit. Like, it doesn't get louder. You know what I mean? And she is just, well, whatever. She's seven feet tall. And Could she's be wearing like anything. She's like Amazonian ever. goddess. Yeah. yeah. And they just come walking by us. Just, you know. Oh, David Bowie. That's weird. What the fuck is happening? Yeah, so me and my friend immediately devised a plan. Like, okay, we're going to go up and down the alleys. You know, the, the aisles, I mean. And somehow or another, we're going to get to meet him. But it's got to be casual or whatever. And I don't know. I think I... I barely remember the story. See, there you go. <laughs> um, but you did get to say something. Of, yeah, yeah. I was like standing next to him, and he said, just to be in the presence said, of someone like that is trippy, right? My, I was holding something, and he said something like, "Those are t-, you know." He said he commented on what I was holding. I was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "You know, that's it." I didn't so you fa- needed right there. Yeah, I didn't even. I was like, "Nah, I'm not even gonna say like, you're David Bowie. Oh my God, can I have a picture? Whatever." There were no phones then. No, that's the other no thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so Jeff Bridges comes into the so studio. So Jeff Bridges used to come in on a regular basis. And it's funny that you should mention he's aged well because there are these people that... Dave Bowie's one of them. They're so beautiful in person that you almost can't look at them. It's like a Medusa thing. And Jeff Bridges is one of those really? guys. Yeah, there's another just got that movie star it's charisma. Just, it's just there's something about them, and I and I every time I say this, um, you know, people will make fun of me. Oh, you, you, what do you guys say? Poof, poof. <laughs> but there's this guy, pop, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, this guy, uh, God, he was the singer for the band the Doobie Brothers. His name's Michael. Um, doesn't matter. If I had imagined what jesus would have looked like had jesus been the white jesus that everybody said he was this guy's got a long gray hair he's got these eyes these blue eyes michael mcdonald his eyes are and he's another guy that would come into the studio and record a lot and i would you know i'd sit in a room and chat with these guys a little bit you know which was weird to begin with um but that's a guy that you we would talk about it later we're like i couldn't even look at him because it's just like hi you know, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Some people are just, yeah. Some people are just a little bit too beautiful, I think, or a little too pretty or something. It's or they odd. just have a magnetism. Yeah. And Russell the, Brand's and like the, that. I was that. sat next to him watching Morrissey one huh. night, and he, he kept walking past me and my girlfriend to go out to use the bathroom and come back. Every time he did, he'd sort of touch both of us on the leg and be like, you're right, guys, you enjoying the show? And we're both there just, like, looking. He's right in our face, and we're just like, my God, you're pretty. <laughs> we're both thinking it. I'm looking at yeah. it, I don't get any ideas. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, let's talk about punk rock. We All haven't right. talked about punk rock yet. Um, what sort of a an impact did it have on a young Joey Cape? Can you remember perhaps a band, a record, maybe like even just another punk that you saw? Yeah. What was your introduction to you know, I, that I, culture? I, I'll say something, a qualifier, um, something uh, that I should say is that if you tell stories, if you have my memory problem, but you periodically tell stories throughout those years, it tends to stay because the memory gets renewed. So I remember, all, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? It's very exams, odd. Yeah. I do remember, you know, opening uh, singles, going steady, you know, the Buzzcocks record. I remember getting that when it came Unstoppable out. Unstoppable record. I know, I love that record so much. I mean, I've, I was convinced for years that it was a best of record. That's how good it is. No, know? it is. It's a singles collection. Yeah, yeah it's a singles collection, but... That's not the same oh, thing. Right, okay, you know it's not I mean? a greatest like, hit. I knew yeah. it was a because like hit a singles don't necessarily mean they're going to be a hit. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and before that, they'd only had what like the like EPs or something. Those set, the, the Spiral set, Scratch set. EP, yeah, and then was, I think there was two records. There's Love Bites was one album. Yeah, Love Bites, but and it's not even another a full music length, in a different kitchen. I can't I remember now, but, but I feel like they're not even full lengths. So yeah, Love Bites is yeah, it is yeah yeah. I think they'd had an EP and two albums. I just haven't listened to them in ages. But there's yeah, there's, I have memories. Uh, so the British memories. kind of stuff was what was well present. I, I mean, you know, of course, I loved that. I loved all of it, man. I loved, uh, I loved the Pistols. I loved Stiff Little Fingers. I loved, uh, you know, the Buzzcocks. Um, I met Pete Shelley recently for the first time, and he was just a lovely guy. And it I'm was, trying to get him on this. Awesome. God, he was. So, I I only spoke to him for a little bit, and I was way too pissed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've been drinking at their show like all night. And it's before I stopped drinking whiskey, you know, so I was pretty much shit faced and my friend was on the road with him and he said, he said, you know, you're a huge fan. You need to meet him. He's a great guy. Like you should, you should meet the guys, both of them, you know, the guitar Pete and Steve, yeah, yeah. Pete and Steve. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Right. I'm getting too far away. That tone. Um, yeah. And so, uh, but I ended up meeting him and I, I just said to him right out again, I said, Hey man, I'm hammered um but mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm a big fan whatever and he took the time to just sit there and talk to me for like 20 minutes where he just sat there and talked and he was such a nice person that's a great thing when you meet somebody that you've admired that long and and they're kind that's a really that's an affirmation you know but yeah the albums i mean there were the english bands of course you know the damned 
um, all of them. Because they were um, all so I, different. I, I really they? liked the Los Angeles stuff, though. That was I, I love that you know, stuff. That's where I love I'm that from. Stuff. I mean, my favorite. What do you mean like X and Black Flag? Yeah, X Flag, Circle germs. Jerks. I never really liked the Germs. I'm like no. this oddity with with that. I mean, I I think I just saw them too much for what they were, which is a band that couldn't play. Hmm, too punk almost. Yeah, it's like. I, it wasn't like if, for if me. Sid Vicious, I needed every a little, member in the band a little was Sid less yeah. inferred melody, a little more melody, unless I was going to listen to Black Flag, you know, or something. So I don't know. It's just I, they weren't my favorite. I really loved the Adolescence, Shattered Faith, and just almost all of the OC stuff I really loved, and the Los Angeles stuff. I mean, X, the first X record, is still one of my favorite records. They were great. Those bands were great. Um, what did you, as a kid, did you decide you wanted to do that? Full time, or I guess punk back then maybe wasn't like that in the sense that I'm going to make a living out of this. But did you? I was in a band then. You, you were. You started I was. young. I, I played playing drums, and, and right. I, I played in a band called Urban Assault, and uh, we played a lot of shows. You know, we played shows with Bad Brains and Circle Jerks, Wasted Youth, and I mean, HR is a wild man, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. Jay Bentley uh, and I just figured out the other day that a show that we played together, he was in Wasted Youth. So we played a show together in 1981. 81? How cool wow. is that? And What's that, 35 I was years? talking about the show, and he said, yeah, I played that show. And I was like, oh, right, you were in Wasted Youth. I forgot that he was in Wasted Youth. So that's wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty old, you know. I mean, I was really young. I had to sneak out of my house to do gigs and stuff, you know. But I lived at the end of the house by the garage, so I could the garage, so I could just pop right out the back door in the middle of the night. And once it was past eight or nine o'clock, I could just sneak out and I'd run down the street. I remember one time running down the street with my hi hat and like another symbol because I had to bring them because they were at my hat for some reason. And I'm, you know, trying to be quiet, running away from the house with these things. <laughs> and then I had this spot where people would pick me up and we'd go do a gig. But I can never, you know, most of the gigs that we did, I couldn't stay in the venue. I had to go in just to play and then leave because I was so young. Underage. Yeah. Mike's, um, in the No Effects book, which just came out, which mm. is amazing, um, Mike talks a lot about the violence in a lot of those shows. Um, yeah. Was, was that your experience of it as well? Yeah. Because by the time I got into punk, it was kind of the mid-90s, and, you know, I didn't really see that much side of it. That had no, kind of gone. Um, yeah, that, that that that's something that moved on to, like, Limp Bizkit shows. Yeah, whatever, new metal and, and kind of. stupid yeah. stuff, you know. It was, it, it was I mean... You know, I don't see people get stabbed at shows, but I used to. That happened a lot. Um, there was a place called Fender's Ballroom that I'm sure Mike talks about, um, and that was the Venice scene, so like the suicidal bands and stuff. And the shows there were so violent that I didn't want to go back, you know. I would just stand on the outside of the pit and just watch, and I think I went, got, got the guts up once to go in the pit. But... Yeah, I never liked that. And then the Hollywood Palladium shows we were the big big like some of the big punk shows were and there was another place the olympic or something we need jay bentley for this conversation because he is a i was trying to get one with jay yeah it didn't work out memory i don't think he likes to do these things no it's not his bag but he's amazing he's an amazing person um but those shows were really violent i mean it wasn't uncommon that you would be standing towards the back and there would be a pit that was nearly the entire floor like the biggest thing you've ever seen 
and then someone would just come up the stairs towards you with blood pouring out of their stomach, you know, because somebody had stabbed them. I saw that so many times that I just started to go, oh, man, that dude got stabbed. That's, Carry on with the watching the show. Yeah, that's crazy. It's all got to get shot. Yeah, I was. I just think, um, I don't know. I, I, I certainly think these days are more violent than the old days. I just, the I world just, at large, yeah. I just yeah, think yeah. the punk rock shows were more violent back then. But, you know, I can only speak to that scene. I don't know what it was like in England. Yeah, I think it was just a lot of gobbing. I mean, I'm sure there was violence, but I think from what I've, right. the stories I've heard from some of the older guys in uh, you know the UK is that it was all just kind of spitting. That was like the big thing. Yeah, yeah. a lot of that. Was that yep. an American thing? Was that ever over there? Were you ever not like, really? No? The first time that's, that's that I experienced escape. that in a, being in a band was in Italy or something, and like people just kept spitting on me. I like I, to show appreciation as well. That's what's the maddest thing right, about it. Exactly, and like, <laughs> and, I, and I of course I had seen that at LA punk shows. There were like there was a little of that, but. Nothing like I think was happening over here. Yeah, that's the worst. Because if you're a singer, you have to open your mouth. Yeah. And sooner or later, one of those goes in there. And I can, yeah, that is not a good experience. It's not what you do it for, is it? I don't want a stranger spit in my mouth. <laughs> Unless we're making out, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's terrible. What year did you form Lagwagon? Um, well... There's just some debate there. It's weird because I wasn't in the original band. I was in another band in town called Chemical. Terrible name. And we were sort of like a crossover band. I mean, we were a little bit like a DRI or, you know, I don't know. What was that? I don't know. We were just, it was kind of punk and metal at the mm -hmm. same time. Yeah, yeah. And then... Kind of Cro-Mags, uh, like the East Coast sort of vibe that was happening. A little bit like Cro-Mags yeah. stuff. Yeah, that kind of thing, you know? And... um and the Section 8 was the name that Lagwagon had, and they were another band in town. Um, and this is like 87, maybe? Uh, and I lived with uh, the guitar player of that band, and he was one of my best friends, and the drummer was one of my best friends, Derek Floyd, who had, you know, we lost some years later. But um, they kind of didn't like their singer. And... Dar Darren would the guitar player in the band at the time would joke around about like I wish you could be our singer, and I was like yeah but I mean you guys got a cool thing because they had a they had they sounded a lot like like the Venice bands like there was a band called XL, and the early stuff that Section Eight was doing really reminded me of that band it was super cool like I, I actually liked their music better than the stuff I was writing, and I w I wanted to be in the band I really dug what they were doing, but that kind of band doesn't need a guy who sings melodies. You know, it's more like... They need a tough guy. Yeah. Not you're not tough. Yeah, 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 it was just... And I don't know. Anyway, but I was dating this this, this girl, Kelly, and I've told the story many times. Basically, she left me for him. So I was pretty heartbroken, you know? Like, that was like my first heartbreak. I mean, I was smashed. And I just... One night I looked at Darren and I said, Can I still be in your band? And he said, are you kidding? And I said, yeah, no, I'm not kidding. I want to be in your fucking band. Fuck that guy. And at that time, the band I was in, like the drummer had just said, he's got to go, you know, he wants, he was going to move to New York or something weird. And so, yeah, so I, he took my girl, but I took his band. And look at me now. 
Uh, Here I am sucker. doing a podcast with stocks, man. <laughs> yeah, in your face. Um, and then yeah. th- did things start happening pretty quickly? Like- no, we made demos. We made, uh, I think, maybe four demos. And it was the fourth one that is basically duh. Right. It's, it's more or less the same record. It just had a couple like super metal things on it, you know. We were always kind of like crossover. Like the guys in the band, all of us grew up listening to hard rock and metal as well. What's your What's your stuff in that? World? Well, I mean, when I was what a kid, it was Deep Purple and right. you know, like Black Sabbath. I mean, those were the, my favorite bands when I was a kid. I just saw them um, play there. Did you see quote, the show? Unquote, last you ever show in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend works with um, Rival Sons, who were supporting. Oh, great! And so we got we had like the Golden Circle because I've never seen another band do that before. But Sabbath do this thing where they have like standing, and then there's front standing, and that's reserved for like the, what's called the Golden Circle. So you can have a standing ticket, but not get anywhere near the front because there's this Golden Circle thing. I don't know, but we were in the Golden Circle oh, anyway. Nice. So he was like where you are. Was that good? Because that can be like one of these sometimes. Do you know what? broke my heart and also really annoyed me was from most of the set people were just there filming because he was so close so i'm spending half the show trying to see ozzy and tony and Giza through people's fucking mobiles in front of me and i'm going one guy had his phone in the air for about five minutes right and then i looked and he wasn't even recording i tap him on the shoulder and i go dude you're not even recording and he goes yeah i am i went look at it you're not and he looks at it and he goes, oh, yeah, you're right. Hits it and starts recording. I'm like, no, oh. it's coming down. The worst thing is there was a full movie like film crew there because they were making a documentary. Sure. I'm like, just wait for the DVD. Yeah. But it was amazing. They were great. What was lovely about it was that they spent the whole night just smiling at each other. Ozzy at one point dropped his mic. It was obviously hooked up, made a big loud boom yeah. around the whole arena. He looks at Tony. They're pissing themselves. He picks it back up. He carries on. They just looked like, I mean, it was a shame that Bill wasn't there, but it just looked sure. like old friends. I saw it about, out, about a year and a half ago. It. I saw the show. Our our version of that last show was it. I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl, and it was, it was serious. It was incredible. He was sounding great. They I'm sure. As, so as he sounded last week. Fucking good. I mean, he just all still got it. Yeah. And my, I took my older brother. It was his birthday. Because, you know, we grew up on that. And I took him in and we were just sitting there looking at each other going, this is unfucking believable We had great seats. 50 years, right? Pretty much. Yeah. It's 49 years. So they've got to do a one-off next year. I, I think they will. How? Yeah. Because it'll mark their 50th year. I just know that with Sabbath, because they've done so many farewell tours. And I yeah. know that they've made this like the yeah. big fanfare this is it but i just think you can't get to 49 years as a band maybe i'm too what do you say about that though when there's really just the two guys you know what i mean like how many versions of sabbath like there are those iomi years where he was making records with like just all different dudes and yeah you know and then of course there was the Dio years which were great glenn hughes was a singer in them as well right yeah so crazy (laughs) cool though I love that about English bands. I love that kind of thing. So you're a proper metalhead as well, still? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You're an and, ACDC and I li- guy? I like a lot of the 80s. I like a lot of the uh, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and all those. I, I was I was way into all that stuff. Always. It's all right. Um, Do we need to get out? Do we need to wrap it up? Oh, hell no, not at all. You sure? I thought there were people up here smoking marijuana. No, this no, is, no, this no. is the... Nice the, to meet you. I'm Matt. Oh, Matt. oh shoot. Sorry. Nice to meet I, you. I don't smoke marijuana. I don't smoke he does, marijuana. Just to let you know. We never would do something like that on our bus. It's illegal. Have those? 
They're, I, I have a pair of these at home. You want to try them? I don't know that they're the exact same ones because these are probably more broadcast. Uh... Uh, MXL 990s, these are called. Oh, yeah, I have these. Yeah, yeah. I haven't used them very much, but, they're, they're, but they, they are supposed to be really good. I got them secondhand for like, I think, 150 pounds for the well, pair. Yeah, that's decent. Yeah. I got a lot of pair of mics at my house, and I just keep looking at it and going, I should try that. Except I don't have any time, so I'm just going to go with the thing that I know works. Yeah. And it's been happening for years. But I have a pair of these in my studio, just in the box. I haven't even opened them. I've had them for a year or two, maybe. Stupid. So borrow them. Fancy. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. That's why they call me Fancy Pants, man. Nice to meet you, Kent. I'm going to get my dirty laundry out of my bunk now and put it in my suitcase for tomorrow. And then home time, right? Yep. All right, yeah. So yeah, I, I really liked all of it. I liked I liked the punk. I liked the metal. You know, and I think that's probably why Lagwagon sounds the way we do. I mean, I never thought of us as a punk band. You know, it's a funny. Did you see thing. yourself as kind of slightly out of step with what would become the fat sound? Then were you perhaps ever? No, so, I or, think I think. Or did you I perhaps invent we, we, <laughs> that I, sound? That that's it. I think what people do is they decide. Well, there's a few things at play there. First of all, well, no can effects. Can we go back a little bit first? Yeah. How did you uh, meet Mike and come on to the label Fat? How did that all happen? Um, well, I met Mike a few times at shows, um, but that was always just kind of like chatting with him outside of a show or something, but it was never really a good experience. <laughs> and Because, um, you know, he, he was always sort of short with me about things. And so I, I just didn't, I didn't know him at all, but obviously had seen his band many times. And um, and then I was living up here, or up here. I was living up in San Francisco. <laughs> My mind is in San Francisco always. I had moved back. I'd moved up there, and we were both at a show. And I I can't. It's funny. I keep thinking it was a real Mackenzie show, which is really weird because I'm not sure that makes sense. I don't know if they were even a band at this point, but it was 1990. And uh, I was talking to some of these guys from a band called RKL. Um, and I had played with those guys. I, mm-hmm. I, I was in the original incarnation of RKL. RKL was like a huge influence on No Effects. Um, you know, that's, I'm from that. I'm older than Mike, you know. And so I think No Effects and Lagwagon have very similar sounds. And that I, ribbed album there's a really has that weird... real metal thing going on, doesn't it? Yeah. And there was a really weird thing happening in my world where I was writing these songs, and basically what I was doing was I was trying to put RKL's kind of creative, riffy, really cool, bluesy kind of slash, I guess almost metal kind of stuff that made sense to me together with Bad Religion Suffer. Because when I heard that record, I was like, oh shit, we can do this. Because I want to hear these harmonies. I love the Beach Boys, and I love the Beatles, and I love, you know... So you can do Sergeant Peppers with a, you know, I, you know what I mean? Like it kind of just seemed like, so that was like where my head was. And when I met Mike, that's exactly where his head was. So that was kind of interesting and cool. So that night he walked in and he saw the guys and he came over to say hi. And that's how you actually meet somebody. I've learned that in life. You want to meet someone, don't go up and introduce yourself to them at a show. 
that they're playing because there's nothing about that that's special. But if you have a friend that's friends with that person, you go, hey, man, if you go out to dinner with us sometime, invite me. I'd like to meet that person. Then it's like it's a completely different experience and you actually can get to know them. And they've almost vouched for you by inviting you in the first place. Yeah. So that you're kind of, you got that approval already, sort yeah. of. Yeah. And so I had seen that Mike, he had placed an ad in Maximum Rock and Roll or something. It just said Fat Records or something. And he was starting a label and he only had the seven inch, the no effects seven inch he put out. So I saw that he was doing that and we'd, you know, we'd all but given up. We made four demos, I guess. And I had moved away. And um, I was going back to school. I was studying medicine. I wanted to be, I mean, I was always planning to just be a doctor. That was what I wanted to do. I enjoyed it. And um, long story short, I, I just remembered I had this demo tape in, and right outside, parked my car in the glove compartment. And I just said, oh, fuck it. What do I have to lose? I'll just hand it off to him and maybe he'll like it. And I gave it to him. And he called me the next day. He... I, I don't know how he even got my number. I was living at my dad's house, you know, <laughs> and somehow he, good old days. he found yeah. me and he was like, dude, do you want to do well, a record? He called at your parents' house. He, he called my dad's house <laughs> who lived in that area. And, um, yeah, it was weird. He was like, do you want to make a record? And I was like, yeah. And I, and I go, but I got to call the guys. I mean, we're kind of not a band anymore. Like, but we just recently kind of, I felt like it was just fizzling, you know? So I called them up and I said, Fat Mike, call me. He wants to make a record. I gave him a demo and they were like, yeah. Next thing I know, we were in LA making the record. and we got, With him producing, right? Yeah. yeah. And we did it in three days. Everything. Mix, everything. Three fucking days. Is that out of necessity? You had to because of time and budget? That was out of budget, yeah. But it worked out that he you was like, hey, We got that. like three days here and I'm just going like, what? <laughs> this is it? That's what it, all these years that I've been, because I don't know anything at this point. So wait, you think you're going to have like make, eight months or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah people yeah, yeah. make records and... No, people don't do that. It has to be like a month, right? Or at least a week? Three days? We've spent longer on demos on of one song. You know what I mean? So, that was pretty funny. We basically just did it live. But, yeah, that's how that happened. And then he, um, immediately after we made the record, it says Section 8 on the reels. And, and it's kind of funny because Mike hated the name. And immediately he just started saying to all of us, you know, you guys really need to change your name. It's a bad name. And all of us, of course, were like, fuck you. Who are you? Like, that's our name. We're a band, man. We don't need you. You know, of course, mm -hmm. like, that's how you react. You're very proud of it. And then we went on this little support well, tour. What's your identity at that point, right? It's yeah, it's like who we were. And, we, and I liked the name. I liked it. But what happened was we went on a tour with no effects, like a Pacific Northwest tour. And every town we played, someone came up to us and said, so you guys are that band that has, you have that seven inch fat, white and stupid or something. There were like some other punk band called Section 8 and they had a seven inch and it literally was called like fat, white and stupid. And I was like, ooh, that's bad. I don't want to be associated with that. So we were already kind of leaning towards maybe Mike's right. Maybe we should go, but what can we call our band? Oh God, that's the nightmare. And we already made the record and blah, blah, blah. And then we were in a record store one day and we saw there was like all that NWA stuff was coming up, like the really hardcore stuff. Love that and, stuff. Yeah, totally. And we saw a poster for a band called Section 8 and it was like from, and it said they, like were, gang from, said they were from Compton. Right. <laughs> and yeah. we saw the poster and I just kind of looked at Derek and I said, well, that about does it. Yeah. 
Looks like we're changing. I mean, I don't want to argue with those guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> like turn up at a show, like. And then of course I never heard of them again. Like yeah, they didn't yeah. even put a record out or something, but it just looked like they were like on a big label and yeah, funny. I have to look that up sometime. <laughs> so yeah, so we changed the name and then I guess we wrote a whole bunch of names now on that. I don't know, I'm kind of babbling now, but. But you were really there at the the birth of that label and the birth of not just the business, yeah. the business model, but well, I consider us the, the flag, sound, the flagship band. I mean, I consider us to be that because, you know, you can't just call the seven inch by your band, you know, your own band. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, we started it. <laughs> and you've been with them ever since. That's Are true. you the only band to have stayed the whole course of your career with with that? I think so. Yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, I never saw any reason to leave. I've always had the the best relationship with the people that work there, and those are people that are my friends that I hang out with, you know. And um, it's the door has revolved a bit. There's been some position changes over the years, and but it's always been a pretty small uh, room. And they, uh, I watched the documentary, and I guess they had to downscale a couple of years back, right? Just yeah, sheerly out of yeah. necessity. Yeah, everybody did because but it, they did it. The nineties was quite a. The thing that Fat Records has always done that I've always understood to be the genius is that Mike, from the beginning, knew you don't spend more than you're going to make. And it sounds so simple, but everybody gets the fever when things start going. And then they start thinking, no, we, if we want to jump to the next level, we got to take some risk. And sadly, it's not true. If you just stay with the game and grow with the game, you're going to have longevity. So that's... I understood that to be a wise decision way back then, and that's what our bands always did. That's just kind of like how I operate in every aspect of my life. And I don't know. I met a lot of guys who've been in giant bands that have nothing, you know. And it's that's so crazy. It's isn't just it? ridiculous, you know. What were you thinking? <laughs> Where did those millions go? Yeah, I bought a house that I can't afford, you know, and then and then I invested in some weird Shetland horse you know like whatever the yeah, stories yeah. are they're all so nutty um yeah so yeah we never wanted to leave because we never had a reason to leave and the other thing is we never really got any offers <laughs> so that's you know <laughs> if you don't get any offers you don't really have much i think it was like one major label approached us when they were trying to get all those type of bands and and uh it was priority or whatever and ice cube was on priority right and so we were like fuck that we got to think about that like that could be cool and the guy came and saw a show and then he just was gone before the, <laughs> yeah i think he saw us there was no post gig chat yeah he was like no this is it wasn't a very good show and i think we're there i, I always thought of our band as okay fine because you've looked at where we sell and you've maybe heard our music and you think this band but you need to see us because oh boy we are not accessible. We have a giant. We have a monkey. We have two giants at the time, and we've got this little monkey who runs around in the middle of. I mean, there's like a round guy. There's you know, like we're just. It's a definite group of individuals. Yeah, it's yeah. We were never a band that someone's gonna see and go, and they got the look too. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad. I'm really happy. I like the fact that I, I feel like everything I've ever done creatively in that way is all in one place. It feels really good. Um, you know, things are different now, though. You know, things are really... I don't know, Fat's still managing to hold on. They still do well. I don't know how. 
Do you think right. part of it is an ear for good bands? Because I look at like the kind of current landscape of punk rock now and bands like Pears and Maxed Intruder mm. and kick-ass bands. Yeah. That, you know, fat, 90%. If you look at like, oh, they're a great punk band, what label are they? Oh, 90% of the time, yeah. it's fat. Even now, yeah. I find. Yeah, there's... A, uh, but maybe that's just because my taste is just so exactly what they're brand quote unquote oh that's cool yeah it's all about i mean i don't know the answer I, I think they have been pretty wise though they've made wise choices um because you don't look at many fat releases over the years and go well that was a bit of shit do you or do no, you i don't know no <laughs> I, I mean there's there's really very few i can count them on one hand that i thought were kind of poor decisions and not great bands um and of course i would never ever say who those people those bands are because they're nice people but taste is accountable you know mm-hmm. um but yeah, they they they've had a pretty damn good track record, and uh, there have been a few bands along the way though that I really wanted them to sign that they didn't. You can name them, surely, right? You could say a couple. Um, I don't know if I should actually. No? Yeah, because it's funny. It's a funny. Yeah, because it's a funny kind of. Um, you know, those bands are on other labels, and right? Yeah, kinda, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me after we turn the mics off. And sure. I'll never tell anyone else. Sure. I like that. Um, Maybe we should wrap things up because I feel like um, people are coming back from dinner. And well, they want to smoke weed in here. This yeah, is the weed room. This is the weed room. Um, very quickly, then, if just... you don't mind, no, they can do that. Yeah, okay. I mean, if I don't have anything to do, hold on. Hey, if they want to blaze or whatever, all right, cool. Later. <laughs> if those guys want to blaze back here, or whatever, they can come do that. No, they're not even. Oh, okay. All right. With the gimmies, I have to ask yeah. you about them because growing sure. up as a kid, um, me and my friend Greg used to pump the uh, Blowing in the Wind album like yeah. on every trip and to and from college every day. That was like for oh, about cool. a year, and it's a proper summer record, that one. I mean, mm. all the gimmies albums are very upbeat, and but that yeah, one particularly fun. because, you know, those songs, those 60s classics, you know, Sleep yeah. John B, yeah. Wild World, obviously Blowing in the Wind, My Boyfriend's Back. I mean, I love that album. How did the band's first start you found spike was working at fat right he was like an employee um yeah company well my story is that chris shiflett and i lived together in san francisco in a little apartment and um on our refrigerator there was a list of songs which is basically the first record um they were just barry manilow and john denver and neil diamond songs and all, all those songs and they were on this list, and I and Chris and I had talked about it. I had this idea. I said, well, you know, I want to do, like, a punk band that does, like, 70s songs and 60s songs because I love those songs so much. They're so good. I can't but, believe no one had done that already as well. I know. It's, it's all, such it, a great it's idea. almost weird. Such a perfect fit. But people did covers, you know, like yeah, covers yeah. of old songs. You know, they, people had done that. It's just nobody had done, like, you know, I mean, obviously, like, the Dickies, you know, did mm-hmm. some, they did that uh, movie, Paranoid movie song. Paranoid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like it wasn't a thing, but I just didn't see anybody do it like as a thing. And I never saw it as anything but a vehicle just to play like local pubs, you know, with for our friends. Like just let's just get some other buds together and just do this for fun. Like it'll be fun. So Chris and I were already working on it. We were already kind of like arranging songs, and and then we were like, God, who should play bass? Who should play bass? And I th- I think it was Chris's idea. I think Chris just said, Well, we should probably just ask Mike because. You know, he's, he lives here. Plus, he's got a label. We could make like a seven inch or something, or maybe a few. 
And um, choose your band members wisely, isn't it? Is the lesson? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so, uh, and plus, you know, we were all really good friends. You know, we were close back then, and I, I think we asked him, and he was into it right away. I'm not sure what story he tells about that, the incarnation, the original incarnation of the band, but that's the real one, for sure. And then Spike was working in shipping and receiving at Fat, and I hung out with Spike all the time back then. We'd go to this German bar called the Alt Frankfurt, and uh, Spike was just one of those dudes who looked like Elvis, mm. and he... He, he would be drunk, and then the bars, all these old German guys, and super loud, and and Spike would just start singing a Stevie Wonder song at the top of his lungs, and like the whole place would just go silent, and everybody would be like, yeah, Spike singing, they all knew him. He He's just an amazing singer. He's got I a mean, great voice. It's incredible. Great voice. He makes and, all the songs really his own. Yeah. Really his yeah, own. Yeah, he's really, really talented. And, um, and funny, right? Yeah, really he's, funny. He's so funny. <laughs> you got to introduce me if that's all right. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know. I'd love to meet him. He's a great, he's a great guy. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think it was Mike. Mike said, we were like, well, who's going to sing? Because you, you can't sing and I can't sing. Because then it's just, you know, duh. Can't do that. We got to get a singer. We got to get a singer that, like, people don't know, maybe. Or get somebody just really. And then Mike said, what about Spike? And it was like all three of us just went, oh, my God. Do you think he would do it? I don't think he'll do it because Spike very clearly was into different music. He didn't like our bands. He wasn't into that. He was into sixties, like garagey stuff. Like he's what the he, Sonics and stuff. like. Yeah. That. He's super into that kind of stuff. And, and he also has his taste is vast. Long story short. Um, yeah, we asked him and he said yes. And then we just did, we started doing bars and stuff and that's, that's how that happened. And, you literally just started as a bar band. Yeah, just. we just started playing bars for our friends, and it was great because it was like, okay, we're in these bands that don't do shows that aren't for people 21 and older. I mean, aren't for people of all ages. That's just a thing that you always do when you're in a band. You don't play pubs because then you're excluding children from coming to your shows, and so it's not cool to do that. So we never played bars, but we like bars because we're all old. And so it was kind of like, for me, it was like, yeah, we want to play just pubs for our friends and get drunk and just play terrible and just have a blast. And we started doing it and it kind of caught on. And then we did a seven inch on fat and it did really well. And then, and then Mike had that brilliant idea of let's just do seven inches on all the indie punk labels. Like, we'll just ask all of them. They all, of course, said, yeah, shit. You know, band with Chris, Joey and Mike. And Chris was in no use at the time. So that was easy. And and then we just took like the A sides of those and made that first record, and then it like outsold a Lagwagon record. And I went, okay, what wow. the hell is going How on? How did you feel? Did you feel good about that, or was there a little bit of a double edged sword? It was a double edged sword, and it still is. Is it really? Yeah, still, yeah, like the UK, we do great in the UK, and my band has never done great in the UK. We did okay. I would say like the peak for us was like ninety nine. We were playing pretty big shows here. Was it really? So it wasn't even around, sort of like. Hoss and it was, mid 90s it was it, it, it was really it uh, means everything to you it had been around that time it was um let's talk about feelings was like uh, and and maybe the album before that uh double platinum that, that like 90, sorry let's talk about yeah yeah, yeah 97 96 97 98 th those last years of the 90s we we would be able to play like the astoria too you know we or the astoria the main room there and sell it um 
and that was awesome. But the gimmies, I mean, we just started coming here, and it was like we're playing Brixton, you know, or we're playing like you know. And I, I sometimes I look at it and go, "What the hell, man? Why do people like fun so much? <laughs> no, do, no. Don't they want to cry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it. It's it, a real fun night out though, and you know, yeah. I I mean, and we're cheating. We're playing tried and true song we're playing hits yeah you know we play a beatles song i mean come on yeah so it but it's great fun and and of course i was much more happy about it than i was you know i I was very happy because it's nice to make money you know it's nice to we make money on this band too and um that's that's pretty lovely when you have bills to pay you know so yeah i've never looked at it any other way than just a gift yeah, man. I just feel so fortunate to have been a part of it, and it's great. I mean, I'll just keep doing this for... I can do this for a long time. I don't know that I can do the other thing for too much longer, you know what I mean? You know, you start breaking, but we don't have to move as much, and the songs are really easy, and, you know, and it's just fun. Yeah, it's cool. Let's talk real... Um, we'll wrap it up very soon. Um, about the One Week Records. Oh, cool. Yeah, and um, that's some cool stuff because I think it was the first one with Chris from the Flatliners. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first one actually was Brian. Uh, I did one with um, um, Brian Wallstrom. Uh, that was the first one I did, and it was because we we'd been touring a ton together and played a lot together, and we'd done a bunch of writing together. Um, in fact, he's been kind of a writing partner of mine for a long time, which is weird, but I love having a writing partner that plays piano because it's just this cornerstone instrument and you hear tones differently when you yeah, it opens up it. a whole new world it's right? just a whole new deal yeah you hear it you write something you hear it on the piano you you hear way more options so we'd been doing a lot of that and we recorded his first but then i believe we released the then i did chris's and we released him on the same day the first day that we launched the label we released both records i think and that was kind of interesting to watch because they they you know chris's like went up here and brian was kind of down here and brian was like well, I mean, it's cool. It's a little humiliating. <laughs> yeah. But people didn't know who Brian was and people knew who Chris was. So, And the process for that was that you do that at your house, right? Literally yeah. in a week, everything. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of almost like back to where you started. Yeah. I mean, the the big idea, I was for years kind of analyzing, you know, the, the industry, for lack of a better word, because it's such a horrible word. Um, or it just feels wrong to say it. I don't know why, but I was analyzing that for a long time and wondering, like, where are things going to go? How is this going to? How are things going to go? And, and no one knows, do they? <laughs> no, no one knows. But you have all these ideas, you know. Well, this could work if we could just somehow get around that. Then, and one of the big things was the mechanical publishing. I mean, there's sort of like automatic money that needs to be spent, and then back to that thing, you can only spend what you make, you know if you want to build a business. Um, and the other thing was the price. Um, piracy was kind of long over when I started this thing, so that's not really an issue anymore. I mean, people certainly share records, but it's not the same as like what they did with Napster. You know, that's just not really a thing. People are generally kind of lazy. I mean, if they can go directly to the source with a link, they'll do it, and especially if it's cheap. So. The question was how to do that, and then it was uh, Joe Escalani, actually, uh, from the Vandals. He said that he had uh, his friend, who was a music lawyer, he said he had figured out a way to not do mechanicals. And that was sort of the clever bit. 
um, once I heard that, I went, do you mind if I use that for my thing? And he said, no, that's what I'm telling you. And, you go, and so it, you put the mechanical royalty on the artist. In other words, you can pay yourself mechanicals, but you know, you're just taking your own money and paying, you know, so we were able to get the, the, but the, 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 the great thing about it is that we're able to pay uh, an artist more than they would make with a regular record deal. And, virtually split the money with them and then sell the records for five bucks, you know? And so kind of everyone wins. Everyone and the fans wins. get a cheap record there's, too. There's almost no expense to make the records because we make them in my house. Um, Have you got a full scale studio or is it kind of like It's a, not full scale. That's, but it does the job and it does what you need to do. For what I'm doing, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I always knew that it was going to be like a singer-songwriter thing. I can't yeah, yeah, really yeah. do drums. I can yeah. make loops and I can I can do some drums but they've got to be pretty quiet. And so I knew it was going to be more of an acoustic singer-songwriter thing. And I like that idea anyway, because I know so many songwriters that are in bands, and I thought, well, a lot of these guys probably would love to come do one of these. I mean, it's one week of their life. So the deal is they just have to deal with transportation. They just have to get to my house. Once they're there, they pay for nothing. They want for nothing. I just take care of them. And they have breakfast with my wife and daughter every day, you know, and we drink coffee. And and it's that's probably the most lovely thing about it is that... You're two worlds together. To, yeah, because they were completely and... separate for so long. And that's hard on a relationship, you know. And I hated that my daughter didn't know I have a thousand friends and she knows like two of them, you know. That's just, it's not right. Um so being able to bring these people that I really like to my house and spend time with them and make a record together and and I've, I'm very into the old school thing we do a lot of pre-production um, and there's a lot of collaboration and I say to the people that come I say look um, you know if you want to do it this way cool if you don't then you're not going to do it this is your Joey record you're going to make a lot of other records after this this record is your Joey record we're going to do it my way and I'm going to help write the songs. I'm going to help work on the songs. I'm going to have a lot of ideas. And you need to try them. And just look at it as an experiment. Because a lot of people are very precious about their own music, which I totally understand. Um, and everyone ends up loving it. And it's just a lot of fun. So I don't know. So far, it just seems to be working, which is... So we can expect some more, right? A lot more. Yeah. I wicked. just made quite a few of them. Um yeah, but I'm not allowed to talk about what they are because one of the things that I decided early on was that I wanted it to be mysterious. Mm-hmm. The first two records we put out, somebody convinced me that we should announce you know, what they were. But now I've got it back where I want it, which is, if you're a member, you're going to get an opt-out email a week before this thing is in your inbox and you're debited the five bucks or whatever. So you have a chance to leave and you get to know for before anybody else what, what the artist is. So we tell the members, you know, because it's fair. Yeah, man. They should know what that. they're buying. Yeah, yeah. But it's but I know why it works is because somebody goes, huh, five bucks, that's like a candy bar. You know, or... A, now, yeah. A, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. a fucking... It's like two coffees. Yeah, it's like A two, coffee, maybe. You, you know, One coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's... It's it's a pint of beer, let's say that, yeah. Exactly. Relatively, they just think, well, yeah, it's a pint of beer. I mean, and I'm curious to hear that record. So, yeah, let it ride. And so we almost no one opts out and the membership just keeps growing. And the beauty of it is it's turning into a thing now where we can actually have incentive without spending money that we don't have by offering maybe a bigger artist. If they wanted to come, we can say, well, look, the day this comes out, this much money is yours. 
because it's automatic. So that's the thing that I wanted to work, and it's working. So maybe someday I'll get Bob Mould in there. I mean, he lives pretty close to my house, so. I love that dude. Yeah, me too. I've seen him live. I've actually supported him a few times DJing, yeah. doing a warm-up set. Oh, cool. And, um, oh, yeah, right, his DJ thing. He is one of the most, like, <laughs> It was at the Brooklyn Bowl, which is a venue which is, you know, sadly now closed down. My favorite venue in London. Best sound and lighting in the whole oh, city. Oh, really? Cool. There's one in Brooklyn, obviously, Brooklyn Bowl, yeah. and there's Vegas as well. And it has its own sound desk, which is top of the range. Amazing. Bob brought his own right. <laughs> and installed it in there. And it was honestly, it was the most loud and intense gig I've ever been to. Wow. The sound was like pristine hd clear it was perfect Amazing. but it was so powerfully loud it's like you know in cartoons when the wind like blows yeah. your face back <laughs> i haven't made a motorhead show once yeah. it was a, there was wind yeah from the it's the only it time like that yeah that'd be so good that's um, crazy. where do people oh, go cool. if they find out if they want to find out sorry or join up or can uh, get involved with one week records.com done yeah and um we just put out a record i think it was day before yesterday i put out a new scorpios record which is me and chris creswell and john snodgrass and brian wallstrom was Tony Sly, but we lost him, and you know we always thought that band was John and I had, had the idea originally. We thought, well, anybody who's a Scorpio can be in this band. Like we're not a band; we're just gonna like invite other Scorpios to do it. So, you know, Tim McGlyth, Chuck Reagan, I'm talking to you. So that that came out, and then I have one coming up that is my favorite one that I've made is the next release. And I can't tell you who it is, but it's such a good record. I just, I love it. I've got a bunch of them coming up that are just, they're getting better. Because I'm learning how to do it more and more. The first couple, I mean, Chris's was fast. Actually, this is a funny story. You should hear this story because you'll like it. The first one I did was 120 hours in a week. So it was like no sleep. And we were just drinking coffee all day. And it was just like we barely finished it. Uh, Then Chris came just after that and he said hey man so like there's a barbecue on Wednesday that I want to go to because you know he's a young guy and he's always got plans you know he's moving and shaking still so and then he's like yeah on Thursday night there's this gig and I just could stop I go dude you should have no plan but to just be in this room with me for like 18 hours a day this is going to be gnarly seven days is not a lot of time you will see and he goes oh, I don't know he's so positive he's such a great guy and he goes, I don't know, man. I feel like we're gonna be all right. I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna be good by Wednesday, which was uh, that barbecue was exactly four and a half days from us starting. And sure enough, he did the last like thing, the last little bit, and it was like four o'clock. And he goes, All right, you want to go to the barbecue? And I just looked at him. I was like, You are a madman. But he's that good. A lot of these guys I'm bringing are that good. I, don't tune... I guess all the songs start with that nucleus anyway as well, right? Is yeah. the acoustic guitar and them. and Yeah, I don't tune vocals. Good, good if, songwriters. If we can do it live, I want to do it live because it has a thing. They're not You've got all... to get Chuck on there, man. Yeah, he's perfect for it. I mean, you know, sooner or later those guys will come. Maybe even Turner. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it will be alluring to people because it's a week. And I'm pretty fun to hang out with. So I'll yeah, attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, dude. Right, I absolutely loved it. Just to wrap things up very quickly, um, I sort of like to sort of bring it 
to a Jerry Springer final thoughts moment almost all at the right. end. Cool. You know, you've you've had a lot of experience traveling all over the world in several bands, you know, that play different types of music and give people different experiences. Um, what's the one thing that you say, the one constant that you've kind of learnt over the years, over all the miles that you've traveled and the people that you've met? And this can relate to music or it can just be about a broader, be... wide life exactly. philosophical thing i mean what's the one lesson that your career in music has taught you above all else okay above all else it's definitely that the world is a very big place and, and people should have to travel i truly believe that governments you know the way the german government has that thing where you can choose to do social work or join the army and it's to help the country i bet i'm guessing that the uk has versions of these kinds of things like programs that actually help your country um it's a kind of strange thought but i i think people should be forced to travel for a year of their life and if there were a way that we could actually you know like enforce that morally or facilitate that financially yeah. <laughs> it's never going to happen yeah but the world is a big place and you can read as much history as you can handle it you can you can study you can read about cultures but you don't see it until you go there. The world's become a much smaller place since the internet got so big, you know? I mean, I a lot of these places that used to be so different are really not as different as they were, and that's, that's kind of interesting. But that's it. Travel is very, very important. And the other thing is food. I mean, I'm such a foodie. It's, it's like all the years that it was, the times where it gets trying, and you just like, God, man, another show. Like, I don't know if I can just, I don't know. I, you know, I can't, I'm not a good fake it guy. Like if I'm feeling shit, you know, and I go on stage, it shows. But there's always good food. There's always different kinds of food in restaurants. And I often will book a tour and I'll be thinking just as much about this particular place I like to eat, you know, even like chips, you know what I mean? Like this one place, man, it's, they're the best chips in the world as i am the venue you know and the two go hand in hand me and my girlfriend like to travel a lot and they, uh, one of the main things that we love to do apart from going to see museums and natural sites and sure. you know integrate yourself with the community and the culture is to eat and experience yeah. the food of that particular location yeah or just eat great chinese in london yeah or eat great mexican in la exactly it's so funny that way and i'm such a creature i have it but i tell the people that i work with i always tell them you know Hey, I love food, so if there's a place you want to show me, show me, you know. Over the years, I mean, yeah, so, yeah. But travel's a really, it's a good thing. It broadens your uh, your views, and it, it's it's just that simple. I, much of the time, I wish that my daughter wasn't so busy with her life, you know, that she could come with me and see the world. She needs to see the world. You can't just watch CNN. That's for sure. So... That's well, hopefully, it. once you finish your school, kind of sixteen to eighteen, is it eighteen that you finish school in the states well, or sixteen? You know, it, 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 it's sixteen, really, or seventeen. Um, Maybe once she graduates, she can take a year out and yeah, exactly. See the world with dad. Kind of, yeah. Oh God, I love that. I mean, she used to play piano, and I used to fantasize it when she was like when she was done with high school before she went away to you know a university that she would come and play with her dad and be a piano player but she didn't she she didn't have the passion for it so she didn't stick with it but yeah i would like that very much it's really just going to be about gymnastics it's whenever that 
you know, whatever course that runs. That's her path in life, is it? She's, she's going to be representing for the Olympics, you think, one day? Soon? I don't think that's going to happen. But she'll <laughs> certainly represent a university somewhere. Yeah, she's, right. she's really quite good. But, you know, the people that do that are like, yeah, they're like, they're miracle babies or something. Mm. You know, it's crazy. I don't know, that's Simone Biles, you know. Yeah, you yeah, see yeah. That? I mean, yeah. that's, that's, you know, that's pretty stiff competition there. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Um, Joey Cape, you rule. Thank you for your time, dude. Hey, my pleasure, man. I hope you enjoyed Thank it. You. How did it rate in the scale of the podcast? Was it near the top, near the bottom, in the it. middle? Right up at top. Nice. Right Thanks, dude. Yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.